Welcome to the Faith Bridge Sermons Podcast. Today's sermon features Bible teacher Dan Slagle and was recorded on Sunday, July 3rd, 2022. And hey, if you're ever in the area, join us on Sunday on campus at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. and come say hi in person. And as always, you can join us for Faith Bridge online at faithbridge.org live. Here's Dan. Well, good morning. Welcome to Faith Bridge, whether you're here in Center Court West in our communion service or online. We're so glad you've chosen to worship with us today. My name is Dan Slagle. I serve as one of the teaching pastors here at Faith Bridge. And today we are continuing on in our year-long series, Walking Through the Book of Luke. Today we're going to be in chapter 9. If you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles there. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Ushers are coming down the aisle. They'll be glad to give you one. If you don't own a Bible, please accept that as a gift from us to you. Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 27. Even by gospel standards, uh, this is one of the more unusual stories in the Bible. Jesus is speaking and he says, Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And I love this bit of commentary that Luke provides here. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. Let's pray together. Father, we give you thanks for this opportunity we have to gather in your house to lift up the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and to worship Him. We pray now that your Holy Spirit would come, just as you promised, to be our teacher and to guide us into all truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've been preaching for 30 years now, and in all of that time, I have never preached on this particular passage which is commonly known as the transfiguration of Jesus. You know, there are some passages in the Bible that as soon as you read it, I mean, a sermon just leaps off the page. You, you can see it right there, the lesson, the application points. And then there are passages like this. I mean, honestly, first time I read through it, I was thinking, where in the world am I going to go with this? I mean, truthfully, the first thing I thought was, thanks a lot, Warline. 
Why couldn't you have given this one to Duffy or Ben or one of the other guys? It is a unique story in the life of Jesus. Uh, there, there is no healing. There's no sermon or teaching. There's no battling the forces of darkness, uh, the things that we typically see as we make our way through the Gospels. It's just uh, Jesus and his inner circle, Peter, James, and John. They go up on a mountain. Uh, Jesus glows. Moses and Elijah show up. They hear a voice, and they go back down. And I'm thinking, okay, what, what, what is the lesson here? But what's, what's the application point? What are, what are we supposed to take away from this? Well, um, eventually I reached a point uh, where, you know, nothing else works, pray about it. So I'm on my knees and I'm saying, Lord, what, what is it that you want us to take from this text in your word? And as I was praying, a word came into my mind. It's the word Listen. And I said, okay, I, I am. I, I'm, I'm all ears, Lord. Bring it on. Give me the goods. I'm listening. And a second time, that word registers in my mind. Listen. Now, I, I'll be the first to admit, I'm a little slow on the uptake sometimes. But I was starting to get a little frustrated when suddenly it dawned on me, oh, he's not telling me to listen He's drawing my attention to the word listen in the text. Verse 35, specifically, where God says, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. And so today we're going to talk about listening. Listening to Jesus. And I don't imagine I'm going to get a whole lot of pushback on that because by and large we're all in favor of listening. <laughs> I think 99% of us would agree listening is a good thing. It's a high value in our culture. It is an essential thing if we're going to have a meaningful relationship with anyone. The ability and the willingness to listen to what one another have to say. It's a, it's a value that we impart to our children early on. I mean, anyone who has ever parented, you know, a toddler has spoken that word, listen, any number of times, probably running around behind them. You know, listen, listen to me, listen to me. Teachers, probably half their goal on any given day in the classroom is for the students to listen. What they have to say is important. Wives yearn on a regular basis. For their husbands to listen to what they have to say. We value listening, but at the same time, we are lousy at it. It's kind of interesting that something that we, we prize so highly, we, we stink at doing it. Some of us are, are like toddlers. You know, we, we just haven't developed the skill yet to do it. Toddlers don't know that that's an important thing to do. and Some of us are there, I, I suppose. Some of us are like students. We, we get that um, it's important, but we're not interested in doing it. 
other things, really, we're more interested in doing. I suspect most of us, though, probably fall into the husband category. You know, we know it's important. We have learned how to do it. At least intellectually, we understand how important it is. But we get preoccupied with other things. Other things have this way of just drawing our attention. It's kind of like the television. That's a magical box. And sometimes it's as though the the TV has the capacity to reach out and take a hold of my face and and draw me in and and cover my ears. It's like it's casting a spell on me. And the spell remains until suddenly I hear, Dan, are you listening to me? Now that's a dangerous question. Because on the one hand, if you own it and say no, well, that's a guaranteed trip to the doghouse for some period of time. But on the other hand, if you decide to risk it and say yes, of course, you know what's coming next. What did I just say? Oh, boy. I wish I could say that that thing only ever happened in the early days of my marriage, but I'm Truth be told, it's, it's a rather continuing theme. Yeah, so we're, we're not that great at listening. And the, the, the very same struggles that we have in listening to one another, we also have in listening to Jesus. Some of us are like toddlers. We never learned how to listen to Jesus. Perhaps we were never discipled. Perhaps it never even occurred to us. Maybe we never heard that that was an important, vital thing in our faith, to listen to what Jesus has to say. Others of us, probably like students, we know. We know it's important. But we just choose not to do it. Other things take a priority. I think most of us, though, fall into that category of husbands who understand, know, but we get so preoccupied with the things of this world. Things that are here today and gone tomorrow. Things that just seem so incredibly important in the moment. Things that are utterly worthless just have this ability to draw our attention and keep our attention to the exclusion of what Jesus wants to say to us because we're so preoccupied with these other things. Now, perhaps you're wondering to yourself, I mean, does this really even matter in the big picture of things? I mean, you're the preacher after all. Aren't you going to tell me what it is that I need to know? No. No. I mean, to to think that you're going to hear what you need to hear from Jesus in a 30-minute sermon on Sunday is like having a diet of milkshakes and candy bars Monday through Saturday, having a decent meal on Sunday and thinking, I'm good to go. It doesn't work that way. No relationship works that way. 
You see, one of the things that we're trying to do here at FaithBridge is we're trying to cultivate self-feeding followers of Jesus. Are sermons important? Yes. Lessons important? Yes. But more important are those individuals who on their own, the other six days of the week, are drawing near to Jesus, hearing his voice. They know how to feed themselves Over the years, uh, from time to time, individuals have approached me to tell me, you know, why perhaps they were moving on to greener pastures or to another church or whatever. And and I I hear this refrain, you know, we just don't feel like we're being fed. That is the lamest excuse in the world. I want to say to them, you're not being fed? Pick up a spoon and dig in. It's right there waiting for you all the time. Yeah, it matters. It really matters as to whether or not you're listening to Jesus. It matters for you in your growth as a believer. It matters. It determines to a large degree whether or not you are becoming the man or the woman that Jesus has called and created you to be. Like no other time in history, there are a multitude of voices and messages coming at us every single day. And whether we realize it or not, whether we acknowledge it or not, those messages and those voices are shaping us. We become what we listen to. No getting around it. There is no such thing as a fully independent thinker, someone who is impervious to the influence of outside messages. Why? We weren't designed that way. We were not designed to be impervious. We were designed to take information in. God has information that he wants to impart to us that will transform us, that will conform us to the image of of his son. So it's, it's really not a question of whether you're hearing voices, whether you're listening to someone or something. The question is what? What are you listening to? What are you giving your attention to? Whatever it is, that is shaping the person that you are becoming. God has someone in mind that he wants you to become. That's why he brought you into this world in the first place. That, he might be, that you might become the son or the daughter that he always intended for you to be. But it will not happen if you're not willing to listen to what he has to say. That's one of the means by which he shapes us. And it matters not only for each one of us as individuals, friends, it matters for the world. Because our commission given to us by Jesus himself is to take the gospel into all the world. To be influencers. To speak truth. To speak hope. To speak the gospel to other people. But here's the thing. Nobody was ever converted by an argument or slick speech. Do you know what converts other people? changed lives. 
the proof in the pudding. When someone looks at your life and sees once you were that way and now you're this way. Jesus really is making a difference in your life. But if you're not spending time with Jesus, if you're not listening to Jesus, you're not becoming like Jesus. And he's the one that people are attracted to. Not you, not me, the Jesus in us. That's why we are called Christians. We are to be little Jesuses all throughout the world, showing the world who Jesus is. And if we don't do it, there's no plan B. The commission came to you and to me, the church. It is incumbent upon us to take the good news to the world. The only way the, good, the news is going to make it to the world is if we take it. And the only way that we can take it with sincerity and authenticity and life-changing power is if we are listening to it and allowing it to impact our lives. Yes, it matters. So how do we do it? How do we listen to Jesus? Well, there's no magic involved. There's not some uh, mystical method that's reserved for a, a holy, privileged few. No, the, the very same principles involved in listening to one another apply to listening to Jesus. Two in particular. And the first of those is intentionality. Intentionality. Prioritizing listening to Jesus. Determining that it's important and doing it. You know, we hear by accident. We listen on purpose. And until we come to the place that we have decided, yes, this is a value, this is a priority in my life, we're going to be accidental Christians, not purposeful, ineffective, not making an impact, not growing, not becoming the person Jesus called and created us to be. You know, when I come home from work at the end of the day, I have a choice. Am I going to come in the house and be intentional about listening to my wife as she tells me about her day? Or am I going to come in and just give it the perfunctory, oh yeah, how was your day as I flip through the mail? Hearing, but not listening. No. God tells people things who want to hear them. One of my favorite writers, A.W. Tozer, wrote a book once. And the title of it is, God Tells the Man Who Cares. Those who really want to hear from God will. And those who don't, won't. He's not going to chase us down, get us in a headlock, and make us listen. He's going to wait to see who's interested in what I have to say. Intentionality. The other fundamental principle of listening is time. It takes time to really listen to someone. You, you can't do it on the run. 
There's no speed listening. No, it's setting aside time. That, that's one reason we emphasize around here the importance of a devotional life, carving out a part of your day, setting aside time to sit with the Lord, to read his word, to pray that he might speak into your life. That's why we emphasize grow groups and opportunity with other brothers and sisters to wrestle with the Bible, with the things Jesus has said and learn together, how does this apply? How can I grow? Where do I need to change? Where do I need to be forgiven or rebuked or grow or what, what, what have you? That's why we have corporate worship on Sundays because we believe that the word has power. And if we listen to it, it can speak into our lives and make a difference. Now, I'm, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but uh, I, I just wonder if, if somehow it were possible to put up on these big screens here a comparison between the amount of time that you spend listening to Jesus and the amount of time that you give to this piece of plastic. I wonder what it would show. piece of plastic that one day we're, we're, we're going to throw away versus our creator, our savior, our redeemer. I mean, you know, maybe this piece of plastic isn't the one. I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's a laptop. Maybe you need something a little bigger. Maybe, maybe it's a 72-inch television. I, I don't know. But what is it that is taking up time in your life, time that could be given to Jesus to listen to what he has to say. Some years ago, I had a friend who, um, I mean, the only way to put it, he had a mad, passionate love affair with his phone. He was never without that thing. Sometimes I wondered if he took a shower with it. We were out to lunch one day, ostensibly to converse, it occurred to me pretty quickly who he was listening to. And to, to test it, at one point, while he was gazing lovingly at that piece of plastic and I was speaking, I, I just stopped mid-sentence, just quit speaking. And he continued to say, mm-hmm, yeah, right. I was ticked. I was offended. And I came back to the office, you know, I was nursing that ticked, offended feeling all the way until I got right out here on Stubner in front of this Texaco right out here at stoplight. I'm sitting there just stewing in my offendedness. When a still small voice said to me, doesn't feel good, does it? It's not nice to be ignored, is it? It's not just that God wants us to listen. It's not like he needs an audience. He's not trying to manipulate anybody. Friends, we need to listen. We need it desperately. 
Some, some of us here today, at some point along the way, maybe, maybe it was a parent or a coach or a youth leader or somebody, somebody somewhere along the way communicated to us, you know, you're not quite good enough. You, you don't measure up. And that thought, like a seed, took root and began to grow. And we've spent the better part of our lives trying to prove to everyone that we are good enough. And we will work ourselves to death. And we will tap dance and do whatever is required to convince the world I'm good enough. And all the while we're scared to death that one day the mask is going to slip and people are going to see what a fake we are after all. To those people Jesus wants to say, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You don't have to impress me. You can't impress me. I love you for you. I created you and I died for you and I changed you. You're mine. No work. No pretending. I love you. Some of you need to hear that today. Others of us came in here this morning with a burden of guilt on our shoulders. There's something in our past, some things in our past that in our private moments still turn our faces crimson. We feel so ashamed that we did that or that we said that. And in our quieter moments, there is an accusatory voice that says to us over and over, shameful, worthless, guilty. God could never love someone as despicable as you. And to those persons, if they're listening, Jesus says, I did not come into the world to condemn you. I came to save you. I know that you are a broken sinner. That's why I came in the first place. You think you're going to scare me away with your sin? You think I'm going to be shocked? No. I love you. And I don't condemn you. I want to save you. Maybe others of us are on the, the opposite end of that equation. We, we weren't the ones who did the wrong thing. We received the wrong thing. We were hurt. We were betrayed. We were let down. And bitterness grows. And anger grows. And even though we think we're keeping it to ourselves and hiding it from the rest of the world, it shows in our attitude, on our face, in our language, in the way we treat other people. You can't hide a bitter, angry, unforgiving soul. And to people who are listening, Jesus says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. I have forgiven you how could you not then forgive someone else? 
There's no offense they perpetrated upon you that hasn't been perpetrated upon me. Forgive as you have been forgiven. Some of us here today are feeling the crushing weight of grief. Someone that we loved very much in the blink of an eye is gone. And all of the days that we thought we would have together, gone. I know what that feels like. I know the sense of disbelief and shock and anger and hurt and tears that come with that. But to those who can listen, who will listen, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even if he dies, will yet live. That is the hope of the gospel that we offer to the world. That death is not the end. When the last shovelful of dirt is thrown in the grave, it's not over. It hasn't even begun. Because we do not grieve as people without hope, as Paul says. We grieve as people with the greatest of hope. The hope of eternal life and resurrection and renewal and restoration. Most of us, I suspect, aren't dealing so much maybe with guilt or, or grief or bitterness. I think most of us probably deal more often with just um, what I call sort of a low-grade sense of apathy. I mean, who really cares? I mean, we get up, we go to work, we pay the bills... There's a war going on, there's disease, you know, nobody's doing anything about it. Hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not living for anything other than the end. To us who live that way, Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Not to be apathetic, not to be bored. but to live abundantly, purposefully, meaningfully, going somewhere, serving someone, accomplishing things for the sake of the kingdom. Those are all messages that Jesus and many, many others, Jesus wants to say to each one of us. Are we listening? I, I don't know what is in your heart today. I don't know, given the chance, what Jesus would say to you, but what I do know is if you don't listen, you'll never hear it. And so I want to close our service today doing just that. I want us just to carve a few moments out of our busy lives and quiet ourselves before Jesus and let him speak. He may not have anything to say at all. Maybe he's just trying to get you in a frame of mind 
and the message will come later. Maybe he's got something he wants to say right now. Whatever the case, let's give him a chance to do that. Will you pray with me? Lord, we confess to you that we are so easily distracted by worthless things, temporary things. And all the while, you're waiting to speak words of life. Forgive us. Cleanse us. And as we place ourselves before you now, we ask you, Lord, speak to us. Whatever you want to say, our hearts are open to receive it. Lord, give us ears to hear and hearts that want to hear. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.